Empire. You thought you knew, but you have no idea. It's the urban sports scene. The meaning of V-A-P-O-R-S The meaning of this word without no doubt Means nobody wanna beat that one you're down and out Now when you're established and got a lot of money Everybody wanna be your buddy and honey Like tall buildings they call skyscrapers Can you feel it? Nothing can save ya, but this is the season of catching the vapors. And since I got time, what I'm gonna do is tell you how they spread it throughout my crew. Well, you all know T.J. Swan, who sang on my records. Make the music, nobody beats the biz, well, check it. Back in the days before this began, he used to try to talk to this girl named Fran. The type of female with fly Gucci wear, with big truck jewelry and extensions in her hair. When Swan tried to kick it, she always fast talking about, baby, please, you work for UPS. He wasn't no type of big drug dealer. My man CJ Swarm didn't appeal to her. But now he trucks gold and wear fly belly boots. Rough leather fashion and tough silk suits. Now she stopped fronting and wants to speak and becoming to all the shows every single weekend. To get his people number, she be begging, please. Dying for the day to get skis. She caught the paper. She caught the paper. That's calm and plain. He goes by the name of the big daddy Kane. You are listening to the urban sports scene with Will T, Ray Jeezy, and myself, Wole, part of Amplifier Media, man. R.I.P. Biz Marquis. What's going on, fellas? I thought I was going to let Ray start because I know he gets tired of, 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 of hearing me say the same thing. <laughs> I'm good, man. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, <laughs> bruh. I'm good, you know. We lost it. We lost the soldier over the weekend, man. Yeah, man, Marquee, Marquee. Yeah, the clown prince of hip hop, a uh, uh. guy who brought fun in the hip hop, you know, during the uh, mid to late eighties, um, an original. Mm-hmm. Um, rest in power. Yeah, definitely. Ray, you had to, you had something you want to add, Ray? I was wondering, I believe Biz lives in Laurel. We saw yeah. him quite frequently mm-hmm. just around the area. And also when, well, hey, you and I were in college. He DJed a lot of parties at yeah. UMBS, so mm-hmm. he was definitely somebody who was always around and, and love, a.k.a. Dream. We always got a chance to interact with Biz. Just a down-to-earth dude. You would never know that he was a celebrity, by the way. He, he just seemed so personable, you know what I'm saying? So it sucks. Will, was he, was he somebody who frequented Morgan when he was there? Uh, no, not really. I, he he, oh, he did man. come up there on occasion. Um. He, I know he DJed a couple of parts, like a bit, not actual on campus parties, because, you know, and have <laughs> on campus parties. <laughs> he, he, did, um, he did DJ, uh, you know, uh, parties in the area, you know, homecoming mm-hmm. weekend, some other weekends, you know. So. And, and to, to Ray's point, is wild. Wow. I think not too long ago, I saw him not down the street. Uh, you know, you can tell that people <laughs> were like, is that biz? 
And I'm like, you know, because we've seen him before. You're like, you're right, Ray and Laurel. And he's just so dope. He's so cool. It's like he you you don't get he doesn't put out that aura. You know what I mean? He's done so many mm-hmm. great things in the game. And like he's very approachable. You know what I mean? Somebody who just approached him and started just talking to him. And he it wasn't like he gave him the vibe of, yo, get away from me. It was more welcoming. And he just he just, he was that kind of person. Absolutely. He'll definitely be missed, man. Yeah, definitely, man. I mentioned uh, we're part of Empire Media. Amp, Empire Media hosts multiple DMV sports podcast shows, such as the John Kime Report, hosted by ESPN Washington football team insider John Kime, and Jones Football, hosted by USA Today insider Mike Jones. You can subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Just search the urban sports scene. The Urban Sports Scene can also be heard on Podcast DC, the new local app with hundreds of options in local news and held in the DMV region. Download the Podcast DC app to hear all the Empire shows as well as other great content. And don't forget us. Don't forget to tweet us <laughs> at Urban Sports Team and hit us up on our Urban Sports Team Facebook page. All right. And you can also... Um, and lastly... Go, go, go ahead, right? Go ahead. <laughs> um, uh, don't forget to join... Our Urban Sports Team Facebook group. Just search Urban Sports Team. Sports bloggers, sports podcasters, and sports debates. Will T. Let's get into our tradition, the pregame. <laughs> Here's what we have on tap. We'll talk <laughs> about the Washington football. I said watch the Washington Wizards hiring Wes Unsell Jr. as their new head coach at 825. We'll talk about the NBA Finals. Uh, the um, the Milwaukee Bucks right now have a 3-2 to two, uh, lead on the Phoenix Suns. And that game, game six is tonight at, uh, I believe, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And finally, we'll debate whether the Nats should buy or sell. The trade deadline is approaching, so we'll see if the, the Nats should stay put or, you know, add, add to what they have or sell. Um, but first, uh, the Washington Wizards hired Wes Unsell Jr. to be the new head coach of the team. Uh, do you like the hire, fellas? Um, will they, oh, go ahead, Will. No, go ahead, Ray. Raised, right? Right, go ahead. Oh, did we just. Oh, well, you good? Go ahead, bro. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> I was trying to follow the format. I know, I, I know you were. What's happening? Go ahead. <laughs> Somebody go, man. Shoot. <laughs> okay, listen. I'll go. Um, I, I, I question. I, I question the decision. Not because West Sale Jr. doesn't necessarily isn't qualified for this position. I feel I have full faith and belief that he it will be a good coach. Um, but this, if you look at that roster, this is kind of a roster in transition. Mm-hmm. Bradley Bill can become a free agent after next year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you still have three more years of Russell Westbrook. And you have, you know, two uh, first round, you know, two, your two, uh, latest first round picks in Denny and Roy Hachimura. This is a this is a roster in flux and and I and I kinda, you know, usually when a team hires a new coach, you kinda you 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 think you understand kind of the direction they're going in. Just with everything, you know, with things with just the construction of this roster and then you bring West Unsell Junior in, a guy who could potentially only be coaching Bradley Bell for one year, it just makes me question um, you know, where this team, you know, where ownership thinks this team is going. But 
ultimately, I do think he's a good hire because he's actually a guy who's worked his way up through the ranks. He's been a scout. He's been uh, a lead assistant um, for one of the more um, winning franchises in the NBA over the past uh, five to seven years with the Denver Nuggets. So I think it's a, I think it's a good hire, but I just confused of where you know with this hire and the matchup and how it's matched up with their roster. Okay, I was going to ask the question, Wole, just to verify: Is Ted Leonsis someone who blocks people on Twitter? That constructively criticize the Wizards because that's what I hear about him. Yeah, I heard about, yeah, it's true. I've heard. I haven't been blocked, okay, but I've heard he blocks folks. I've heard that. <laughs> I, I, that's what I've heard, but I haven't been blocked yet, and I don't want to be blocked. However, <laughs> I, 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 I have nothing against Wes Unsell Jr. I want to start by saying that, mm-hmm. and I do like Ted. I mean, I actually have met Ted in, in person, being at uh, ESA covering the go-go and also the mystics, man, real good dude. You know, it's nothing, it's nothing personal with either one of these guys. However, Terry Leonson said that one of the reasons the Wizards targeted assistant coaches like Wes Unsell Jr. is because he doesn't think that second or third time coaches always work as hard. He added that some players talk quote about the little things in extra interviews, like defensive and sensitive communication. First of all, that's all Scott Brooks in extra interviews. Come on now. We ought to know that. Mm-hmm. Secondly, is he watching the NBA playoffs? Monty Williams, is he not a second-time head coach? Yep. Nate McMillan, is he not a second-time head coach? Tom Thibodeau, multiple stints. What are you talking about? You, you talking about, I don't want to look at, at people who've already been head coach. That makes zero sense. And then secondly, uh, Tommy Shepard said that Wes Unsell Jr. has a strong record as an in-game tactician. How how the heck do you know that when a man is going to coach yet? I said, I, I don't, I, I really don't get the reasoning. Basically, they fumbled the Scott Brooks situation because they waited too long to make a decision, and then you weren't left with a good field of candidates. I'm serious. I, I like the fact that you bring somebody who's a a, a, um, a name that, of course, is known in the franchise and has history with the franchise. Wes Unsell gave this, this town his own uh, his only NBA title, but come on, man. Like, you can't go out searching for head coaches and say, you know, I want to hire the top assistant, and that's my only thought because they're the best group based on extra interviews. Like, this was just a bad look for Ted Leonsis as an owner. And I just I question does he know how to run a good basketball operation. I really do. Like, mm-hmm. I would love to talk to him, but I, I, I'm scared I might get blocked because <laughs> I'm being kind of critical of the decision. So oh, don't be afraid of being blocked. You, you you will be blocked after this criticism. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've been, hey, you, I t- hey, you know I've been blocked by the Wizards, bro. I, I've been blocked by the Wizards organization, so it is, it is what it is. I'm I'm listening. I'm just listening right now. <laughs> yeah, but we'll, 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 we'll lay it. Sorry, that, that's a that's a social media team. Like that's some clown who runs the social media. Like get out of here. He's nobody important. But when, when Ted blocks you, that's a problem. You know what I mean? For for where. I start to be so, I'm, but I, I I do question the decision making, and I I really think that this was Ted's decision. I don't know what Tommy's doing right now, and I don't know how long Tommy's going to be in control. I believe they need to bring somebody in to be a president of basketball operations. Mm. But so Ray, I mean, you wanted I know we talked about it before, but you wanted Sam Cassell. Like what? What made Cassell? Not a knock on West Unsell Jr., but Will mentioned, and and which is cool, and I agree with Will. Like. We can't say that Wes Unsell Jr. didn't pay his dues, right? He did. 
he took the natural courses to be a head coach in, in the NBA. But, you know, Sam Cassell is a guy to me has, you know, paid his dues and has been well received by many players and uh, especially a couple of, I mean, he used to be on this, be on this team as a coach. What, why is it that they go this route and not a Sam Cassell? Dude, your question is, is as good. I mean, your guess is as good as mine. I told you weeks ago that I felt as though Tommy was looking for somebody who was more defensive minded. And that was the reason why West Huntsville Jr. was a, a leading candidate. But can you really substitute the experience that Sam Cassell has as an actual player mm-hmm. who played on a championship level? That's the question I have. Jason Kidd well, is I, where he is because he was such a general and a, like a coach on the floor. Like if Peyton Manning wants to be a coach in football, I guarantee anybody will hire him over some people who have 20 plus years of coaching experience because they know Peyton Manning was a coach in the field. So why don't you take that into account? Again, I'm thinking that they waited too long and it's something about Sam Cassell in terms of whatever he said in his interview, specific to defense, because that's what Ted's been talking about, <laughs> defensive strategy, that turned him off about Sam Cassell, and here we have West Huntsville Jr. I'll say this. One, um, none of us actually know what was said, you know, mm-hmm. you know, during Sam Cassell's interview and during uh, West Huntsville's interview. One thing I think I think, you know, you did acknowledge was um, West Huntsville Jr. has a track record of developing defensive game plans for a winning organization and also within the game making those adjustments, which is something that we don't know that Sam Cassell has ever done. Sam Cassell hasn't, excuse me, to my knowledge, Mm -hmm. hasn't held the title of um, kind of, you know, on a coaching staff as like, the defensive coordinator, a guy who's responsible for, you know, scouting the opposing team, developing the defensive game plan, or on the offensive side either, that I know of, mm-hmm. right? Um, what I do know of Sam Cassell as a coach is he played a vital role in kind of player development, which we all know is important. Um, it, it was actually one of the strong suits of Scott Brooks uh, during his time here, with him with the, helping with the development of some of these younger players on the roster. Supposedly. <clears throat> having said that. S- supposedly. No, I mean, having said that, I, I think, supposedly. <laughs> um, having said that, uh, I know that, you know, Ray, you made the point that, you know, Sam Cassell's a guy who has actual experience within the game, um, being in, in, in between those lines and making the adjustments. So he, he could possibly that could transition over to, co- to a coach. But I'll ask you this. If you have uh, a – an all-NBA performer, Bradley Bill, who's kind of coming to the end of his contract. And you have Russell Westbrook, a guy who, <clears throat> let's just be honest, whose best days are probably behind him. Do you take, do you take that chance in a guy like Sam Cassell, who doesn't necessarily have the longevity and the, and the depth of experience on that bench? Or you go with a guy like West Huntsville Jr., who worked his way up the ranks, starting as a scout, and then ultimately being the lead assistant on one of the more successful franchises in the NBA over the last uh, five to seven years. Uh, well, you want to answer or you want me to answer? You uh, no, 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 you go ahead, go ahead, Ray. Okay, so here's who West Huntsville Jr. is, Will. Real talk. 
He's Eric Spolster. Okay. Everything you described just, is what Eric Spolster was, right? Did He was a video yes. guy. He did scouting. He worked his way up, worked hard, worked under a winner and Pat Riley. But when he got that job, was he ready? Heck no. There was growing pains. And he had, he had the big three. I like our I like our supposed big three <laughs> and who's the third guy? Where was it Rui? So we, we may have a big two, but I just don't know if the Wizards right now are gonna have the patience to deal with the growing pains that will come with becoming a head coach. Look at Steven Silas last year. Mm. Very similar story. Yeah. Got the name, got the experience. And I know you went through injuries and stuff, but that's what you have to learn to manage and that's what some guys can do. Thibodeau managed Minnesota. He managed, in Minnesota and New York. He managed injuries. He managed two organizations that are in flux because he knew what he was doing. He was ready for it because he had the experience. I just don't know if West Huntsville Jr., like Spolster, like Steven Silas, is going to be ready to manage what comes with being an NBA head coach. Look at Bradley Bill, what he's dealing with now. He's not even playing for the Wizards organization right now. He's dealing with a lot. Are you going to be on the handle if Brad goes out for an extended period of time? I just feel like the experienced guys like Tibbs will be able to handle an organization that has had some inconsistency over the past 15 years, in large part due to personnel because of Ernie Grunfeld and decision-making that hurt this franchise big time. But you just conflicted yourself. You were advocating for Sam Cassell, but then you say a guy like Wes Unsell Jr. doesn't necessarily have that experience. What I would argue if you Wes Unsell Jr., has more experience than Sam Cassell as a coach. So this is how this is how I would look at the situation because, um, one, when we look at Wes Unsell Jr. from what you know I've read and heard that you know he is good with younger players. So people like for players like Denny and and Rui, he would probably be good. He would he would be good good with. My issue with Wes Unsell Jr. is is that you're, you're you have to coach personalities. And the issue with the Wizards is different from if Wes Unsell Jr. was going to a ball club where, um, let's say, you know, a very young ball club, no one's established. Say like he went to. I'm gonna use the Memphis Grizzlies example. Say you're, he's getting a rookie in John Morant. It's a perfect fit because he John Morant has nothing to it. He has no expectations in terms of his own expectations. He doesn't know where he's he doesn't know where he's gonna be at. He's just gonna play basketball, right? And just hope that you're gonna make him a better basketball player. But you're going into a situation where you have a Hall of Fame player in, in Russell Westbrook, who is who is a personality. Right. He's a big personality. You got Bradley Bill, who's now coming into his own, who now is drinking the Kool-Aid and, and, and feels that, you know what, he's that dude. Can Wes Unsell Jr. deal with that? Because he was in Denver in Denver. Those dudes, regardless of the person, Jokic is a, is a passive star. Um, Murray, Murray, to me, is a passive star because Murray should be a better basketball player. So he's going to a situation when these dudes are lack of a better term. I mean, to be honest with you, have a lot of ego in them. So which who who can coach that up better? Who matches that that unit more? I would say that Sam Sam Cassell because he's used to that. He has that mentality. He has that ego. We've seen it. We know it. He 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 wouldn't de- he wouldn't defer to an Akeem Olajuwon as a rookie. Like so, you know that he believes in what he I, does. Like he believes in his mm-hmm. his own I don't skill. Agree with that, huh? He played. I don't. He played with Clyde. He I don't agree. Clyde. I don't I oh, don't will. agree with that. All right, right? Go ahead. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you said you said Sam Cassell is a guy who has an ego, right? Yeah. So what happens in a contentious moment with coach and player when neither one of them wants to back down and that's to the detriment of the team. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. When you have a guy opposed on the on the flip side, you have West Unsell Jr., 
a guy throughout his career has a track record of getting buy-in from star players, Mm -hmm. from helping develop star players such as um, Victor Oladipo, such as Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, such as uh, um, uh, Nikola Jokovic, right? He has a track record, and he also has uh, Nikola Jokic. Jokic, Jokic, you good. Right? Mm -hmm. He has a track record of building relationships with those players and getting them to buy in. Yeah. Where you you have a guy, Sam Cassell, who's like, okay, I'm not deferring to no one. Where we, where you know that there are occasions where a coach it, just has to sometimes say, you know what, let me just leave it at that. Whereas, I, yeah. um, I think Wes Unsell is far more qualified yeah. and ha- may have that emo- um, but, that develop that emotional intelligence mm-hmm. more than Sam Cassell. But you, you see, you're talking. See, again, you're talking about again where, where you're where you're coming from with like look at the personalities of the dudes you just kind of referenced though. None of them are big ego. Like their personalities are humongous for real. They're really not. Mm-hmm. Like those dudes that you mentioned are like Steph is a humble star. Like and Steph is a humble star. Uh, Jokic is a humble. Star. Like these dudes don't have a Russell Westbrook mentality. I get what you're saying. You're you're right to a point where you're right. Two when you got two egotistical individuals, it can erupt. But on on the flip side, what I can say is that on on the flip side, on a or for my part of the argument is that you can say that. Sam Cassell will not back down when if these dudes are wrong. He will not back down. That's the argument what I would say. Like sometimes you need that type of that type of figure. Ray mentioned Tibbs. Ray mentioned Tibbs. People get fl- Tibbs, you know, because he 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 tires people down, tire, p- tires people out. But Tibbs likes it to run his certain way. He is a dude that gets into you, which has helped the Knicks win. Which has helped Minnesota win some basketball games when he was in Minnesota, mm-hmm. which helped Chicago win. So mm-hmm. it can work. That can work. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying that sometimes when you do have dudes who don't like who 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 are who like to have things their way, you need a coach that's going to push you. Kobe Bryant and and Shaquille O'Neal need need a Phil Jackson. Yo, now Phil knew how to play or, uh, personalities, but what they did with what Shaq and them did with Dale Harris, they couldn't do with Phil. How Shaq and them kind of ignored Dale Harris. They didn't do that with Phil. So I'm just saying, like, sometimes you do need that kind of coach who's going to push back. That's all I'm saying. Like, I, you're right. It's all about personalities. It's about who meshes well with who. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you'll have an aggressive coach that meshes well with a laid back individual. Or sometimes you have an aggressive coach that meshes well with, with aggressive players. And so it, it all it depends on the personality of the particular player and coach and how they can kind of work together or certain things. But. I would say in this situation, I just I just felt like Sam Cassell would have been a better fit for this team. Now, I could be totally wrong. It's nothing against Wes Unsell Jr. I'm, I'm all for helping out the young dudes. Like that's my if he can help out a Denny, a Denny, a Rui, like players like that. I'm in favor of him, to be honest with you. I think that's that's you. You hit you hit it right there. If you if that is what he's going to do. But again, by doing that. Will the other players fall suit? And I'm talking when I mean the other players, I'm talking about the superstars. Yeah, well, that's, I think I that's, mean, the that's, that's the great question. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah. question, right? Yeah, I we'll, mean, yeah, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Now, where, 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 where are we going from here now, man? I think we just tackled everything. Yeah, that's why they hired him, though, bro. They hired him <laughs> to appease somebody, to appease some people, yeah, because they want to build around Brad, and they're scared that uh, dominant personality will come and push Brad out, but. Mm-hmm. Bruh, those who win, 
they get the results no matter who's out there. Yeah. As long as as long as as long as they have that that plan in place, like Tibbs. This is why David Black didn't work in, in Cleveland. They didn't listen to him. Yeah, they okay, so that's a good, there, okay. Who, who push back. That's a good point. But, that but they, David Black they want is a good Brad point. To be in yeah, that's a good point. They want Brad to be in control. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Which is all? It's all built on Brad, though. But, I mean, they paid. This is what it. This is what it was. Sorry, Ray. Go, I mean, Will. Go ahead, Will. I'm sorry. But by making these, first of all, I think um, there has to be some context. Um, I know we have to be coming up on break. Yeah. One, um, as far as with with the temperament slash attitude of perceived temperament or attitude of Russell Westbrook. One, we don't know. We never known Russell Westbrook to kind of be a coach killer. No, I don't believe that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. He's yeah. a team kind of a team first guy yeah. within the organization and in the locker room. Now when he gets on the floor, he puts up terrible shots. That's, that's, that's different. Yeah. Um, two, um, we don't know if, Wes Unsell Jr. isn't a guy who could push back when needed mm, against our players. True, so. true. We don't really know. I and yeah, I totally agree with you, man. We that's just something that that's just out there. You're right. You're right, Will, because you don't know as the head coach, his he can have a di- a different personality than just being an, an assistant. So yeah, I agree with that. All right, game six is tonight, and the Bucks have a chance to close out the Suns. Will they? We'll discuss the fi- NBA Finals after the break. You're listening to the Urban Sports Saying for Aitis. Yeah, dig deuces. Have you ever met a girl that you tried to date, but a year to make love, she wanted you to wait? Let me tell you a story in my situation. I was talking to this girl from the U.S. nation. The way that I met her was on tour at a concert. She had long hair and a short miniskirt. I just got on stage dripping, pouring with sweat. I was walking through the crowd, and guess who I met? I whispered in her ear, come to the picture booth so I can ask you some questions to see if you're 100 proof. I asked her her name, she said, blah, blah, blah. She had nine, ten pants and a very big bar. I took a couple of flicks and she was enthused. I said, how do you like the show? She said, I was very amused. I started throwing bass, she started throwing back mid-range. But when I sprung the question, she acted kind of strange. Then when I asked, do you have a man, she tried to pretend. She said, no, I don't. I only have a friend.
you are listening to the urban sports scene with Will T. Ray and myself, Wole Park of Empire Media. Game six of the NBA Finals is tonight, right after this show. And our friend, our good friend, Monty Williams and the Phoenix Suns are now down three games to two to Milwaukee Bucks. The Suns, of course, they, they won the first two. It looked like they were on their way, but mm. now they have dropped the past three games. What has gone wrong for the Suns? We'll see. Um, Drew Holiday got through his groove. Chris Middleton um, has been playing uh, exceptionally well um, offensively and defensively. And um, most importantly, Giannis has been playing down around the block and dominating what he should have been doing the first two games. Mm-hmm. That, those are the things that have uh, essentially happened. And then you take into consideration um, Chris Ball you know, whether those turnovers are forced or unforced, he's been turning the ball over um, a lot, you know, a lot more during the uh, three games. I think during these past three games, uh, I had it written down, geez. Uh, I thought I thought that he turned the ball over like um, 14 or 15 times over these past three games, which, you know, if it is 15, that, that you know, Averages out to five turnovers a game. Mm-hmm. When you're controlling, when you're Chris Paul and you're the guy who um, effectively is the coach on the floor, controls the pace for this um, Phoenix Suns team, that's not something you can do against a Milwaukee Bucks team that can make you pay off a turnover yeah, in Chris, transition. Yeah, Chris Paul right now in, in the series has about eight, has 18 turnovers. I don't know the average of yeah. that. You do, you do the math. Was that over five games? Hmm. That's like about three turnovers over five games. Yeah, five games that three turnovers, three turnovers already. So, um, yeah, uh, Chris Paul is definitely, you know, over the, you know, I, I thought he'd be the final. I, I had him as the Finals MVP starting the series, but I don't know, man. <laughs> don't don't be don't be impulsive. Let it let it play out. No, no, no. I'm not. Bro, no, I'm not. No, no. It's not even that, bro. It's just that it's, I'm talking about his play. Um, it's not about it's just Uh-oh. his play. Um, I to me Booker has been more consistent. Even if the Suns come back, Booker would probably get Finals MVP. Um, but hmm. it's just that like I'm with Will. I think I you know Chris Paul's play has definitely changed, and I do and I give credit with his credits due. I think the switch on having Drew Holiday on him most of the time has kind of made things a little bit harder. Um, we all know that Drew Holiday is one of the more elite. Um, defenders in the game. Uh, he's just versatile. He can check probably you know three positions on the floor in terms of the, 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 a small forward, a two guard, and and point guard. So um, it's just it's just been a little bit more. Hard. It's been harder, you know, because Drew is fighting over screens. He's you know he's willing to take on the challenge. Now I feel as though Monty Williams had to had to make better adjustments. Mm. For example, on offense, when you're running a pick and roll and DeAndre Ayton now has a mismatch on the block, give him the ball. A lot of times, Devin Booker will still go one-on-one instead of giving the ball down low to DeAndre Ayton, who, with the switch, he'll have sometimes, sometimes he has Drew Holiday on him, and he, and he'll, he'll wave it all, he'll wave the ball off and let Devin Booker go one-on-one. I just don't think that's a good move because DeAndre Ayton had such great touch around the rim. I mean, he shoots at such a high clip. He's so efficient. I think that's a mistake. So you got to use him better because, like Woolley has said this entire playoffs, He's the biggest problem for most teams, really. We see the Suns <laughs> game so well. They do. It's so true, though. In the first <laughs> quarter, they're often winning. Yeah. But as soon as they, as soon as they, they gain the lead, like you're up what thirty-seven to twenty-one mm-hmm. at home, and then you see a different energy level 
it, it drops off because you, you've gotten comfortable, and that's why I feel like Monty has to get into his guys. And I, I think he does a good job. I watched his halftime speech when he said, why are we losing right now? Because they're outplaying you guys, flat out. You know what I mean? I think, he, I think he's doing a good job of being a communicator, but in terms of implementing the plan, like, look, give him the ball, and guys, keep the intensity up on defense. That's what needs to change. And that's what it hurt them the last – because, really, yeah. they, they should have won the last two games. Yeah. They, they were leading that entire yeah. game four yeah. all the way into the last minutes of the fourth, and then they up huge at home after the first quarter, and they lose It's uh, on game five. Sorry. My issue, like, to me, that's more of an NBA problem, what you're referring to about DeAndre Ayton. Uh, you know, usually when your big is having a mismatch and has, you know, has an opportunity, opportunity to kind of – they have a mismatch and an opportunity to kind of dominate – uh, if especially you have a if you have a a high scoring you know two guard or scorer you know from from the wing, they're just gonna always they're gonna always have most of the control on that situation. You know what I mean? I, I don't even think I don't even want to put the blame on Monty. I just feel like that's something that you know Devin Booker has the green light. Just keep it a buck. He just has the green light, and it's just something that Devin Booker is just gonna have to have to uh, pay attention to. Because to be honest with you, and to to your point, when Chris Paul has that switch. And he sees DeAndre Ayton having a mismatch. He doesn't hesitate. He gives the ball to DeAndre Ayton. So to me, that's that's that. When I see that, that's something that 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 I do that I can sense that that's a Devin Booker thing. Devin Booker has more confidence in him taking his man than getting the ball to DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, it's a good observation. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it's right. Yeah. It's a good observation. Yeah, I just think that I watched. Go ahead, Will. Sorry. No, 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 no. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I was, but I was saying. I don't think so. This mm. man took the Phoenix Suns to the finals. Mm. The Phoenix Suns. Everywhere he goes, he's, he's a winner. Mm-hmm. He's had injuries. He's had his ups and downs. But this is his opportunity. And even though Charles Barkley didn't win a title, he's remembered that for taking the Phoenix Suns to the finals. He's remembered for yeah. having great days of playing for the for mm. on that uh, maybe Moses Malone. But at the end of his career, was he that guy? Charles Barkley elevated that franchise. I feel like Chris Paul elevates franchises similarly, and they mm-hmm. can have the, the the Phoenix Suns in common. And I think you can't take that away from them. Will you a big uh, CP CP uh, fan? What do you think, bro? Um, I, I'm going to say no. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I think when we look back on this Phoenix Suns, this team's run to the playoffs, I think you know everything that CP3 has been to this team, I don't think you necessarily I, – I wouldn't uh, take this as a knock to his legacy, you know, based off of this play these last three games in the finals. Hmm. Um, one thing that I think when, you know, when we do, you know, kind of when the history is told of the 2021 NBA season, you know, and, and you go back and you look at the Suns and their path to the playoff, to the championship, one thing you will say is this team uh, – a bad choice of words, but – Due to the injuries of the teams they faced, um, it definitely helped them get to the finals. Mm-hmm. Now, once they got there, um, Chris Paul played masterful the first two games. Mm-hmm. In these past three games, he struggled a little bit um, for the perspective of he's turned the ball over. But I don't think you, you know you, you can encapsulate you know what he's done throughout these playoffs and this final on these three games where he hasn't played his best. I, I just don't think that's um that's not how I view someone's career. No, and, you know, I, I look at the totality yeah. of it. Yeah. And I and I agree. I just do, I do think that the haters are ready though. Um they've been ready. 
um, in terms of like as soon as he turned, as soon as he had that particular point of the last where, you know, he, he wasn't playing at the level he was playing in game one and game two. Then you had the whole talk. You know, you started to hear the chirping like what we've heard in the past of Chris Paul in the postseason. Um, you're starting to hear the chirping of, you know, he just he doesn't have he, he just he just has that thing against him, which is going to, to defer him from deter him from winning a championship. So. You know, when you hear that, you know, because these last couple of games, that's why the, the question comes to my mind. It's like, OK, will the haters have have a have a loud cry in terms of trying to tarnish this man's legacy? Of course. I mm-hmm. mean, look, this is the this that's just the day and time we live in. Mm-hmm. Right. If someone, you know, doesn't get the results that people think that sports fans think that someone should get, you know, they automatically trash him. They call him a bum. Mm-hmm. They call him, you know all types of uh, disrespectful and derogative things. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is what Chris Paul, what him and the Phoenix Suns organization has done, they've had an amazing run. I'm not going to talk as if it's over. It's going to be over tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, but Scott Foster is. Um, why is that, game, why is that a thing? Know. Why is that a thing? <laughs> listen, because, listen, it's a thing because Vegas says it's a thing. Okay. And it's a thing because Chris Paul has said it in the post-game interview that it's oh, a thing. He's okay. 0-13 against Scott Foster oh. in the playoffs. 0-13. You know, he's the one who's brought it up. Got he's you. the one who's okay. mentioned it. Because I'm like, why That's is this a thing, thing, bro? No, because I'm no, because you're not. I mean, I, I see it all the time on Twitter, and I'm like, why? Is, why do people keep mentioning this thing? It's, it's, so it okay. So Chris Paul has mentioned this. He's give he's giving this thing some energy too as well. Speaking of mention, let me do this read. <laughs> Listening to the Urban Sports Team, part of Empire Media. That's EmpireMedia.com. All right. Now, if now I, I, I said I'm not going to talk as if you yeah. know it, it's over. Is over, but because we take. We take our podcast on a Tuesday night. You know, this is game six. Milwaukee has a 3-2 lead. The obvious question to ask is, if Milwaukee wins, who should be the finals MVP? I'm going to have to go with Middleton for real. I know that. Um, I know, right? <laughs> I, know that, I know that Giannis put up big numbers in the first three games. Yeah. But Middleton has made the most important shots. Like, yeah. man, I think Phoenix cut the lead to five. Mm-hmm. In, in game five, and Chris Middleton hit a mean step back three, a mean step back three <laughs> with a hand in his face. And I, I criticize Chris Middleton for somebody who only played well at home, and still sometimes he plays much better at home, but he has evolved for me this postseason. Yeah. You know, he did well in the bubble without Giannis. He showed that he could be a leading guy, but to me, he's really emerged in these playoffs against some tough competition. Like, you yeah. can't take anything away from him or the Bucks or, or the Suns. I don't care about the injuries. Yeah. I think it's Chris Middleton. You know what, Ray? It's 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 crazy because I I totally agree with you. Like he made he's made all the all the important buckets. Like for real. Like throughout mm-hmm. this whole postseason, for real. I feel like he's had the most important buckets, and in, in, in the finals, he's had the most important buckets in terms of of stopping a run, adding to a run, kind of giving this team that lift that they need to close a game out. It's been Chris Middleton. But when you look at the stats, right? You know what I mean? In which they're going to probably look at it. You're going to have to, you're going to probably go with Giannis. I'm just averaging over 37 points a game, averaging like 13 rebounds. So it's like, and you know, Giannis has that block too, right? That big key block that they try to make into like a LeBron James block against the Warriors type of thing. So like Giannis has some moments and I feel like they want to get, give Giannis, you know, this award. But I agree with you, Ray. Like 
just looking at it, if we're not looking at stats, right, and just looking at who has like the impact, like the the big buckets where to close you out or to win the game, I would just I would say Chris Middleton. Like that's just from this just the eye test. Okay, uh, you you both have made very fair points. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll make two points. Mm-hmm. Thirty-two, thirteen. Yeah, yeah I know. Six, <laughs> I know, Russell. <laughs> that is Giannis's stat line. I know, average. Bro. I know. Not to mention that this guy is the first guy. I mean, the second guy in NBA Finals history to have consecutive forty and ten games. Mm-hmm. That's forty points. Yeah, ten plus rebounds. Two. You guys bring up the closing out the game. When the Los Angeles Lakers were dominant and winning three championships with Shaq and Kobe, Shaq won the MVP, but we all know that Kobe closed out the games. Why? Because Kobe was a far more skilled player with the ball in his hand in the the last moment, um, creating offense off the dribble, which is essential for one to close out the game and also to shoot free throws. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. Closing out the game, the game is important, but it's a forty-eight minute game, fellas. Like, yeah, Giannis dominate. I will forty-five of those minutes. Yeah, I, I will. He just and and he has. Go, oh, Will. Sorry, go ahead. Um, let me just have one one more thing. He's selfless. Yeah. Know that there's a guy on his team that's better equipped to close out the game. Yeah, that's what that's I do like about him. He gives the ball to. Chris Middleton. No, I like him. But he, there, there, there's no ego with him. I will say this. I will say this. There is a slight difference with the whole Shaq Kobe thing with this situation. They they Lakers were just dominating with Shaq when they got to the final. So there wasn't no close, you know, real close 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 games like that. Like a Shaq was so dominant. Like we're talking about a dude that was averaging I think once say thirty five to thirty eight and just dominating, like literally dominating to a point where games weren't even that they, games weren't even that close. Like this in this game, the games are really in the balance. You know what I'm saying, Will? Like they're in the balance. Like in the, these games are really can go either way. And Chris Milton's making big shots. But you're right, though. You know what I mean? Like you do need that. It's a similar dynamic, though. I get what you're saying. When the games are tight, um, and I felt like for the Lakers, they used to always be the Sacram the Sacramento ish or you know Sacramento type of series or the Spurs where Kobe would kind of close it out. But like in this situation, totally agree that. You can't you can't trust Giannis, you know, at the line. You know what I mean? And, and Middleton's more skilled, just like you know, like Kobe Shaq, more skilled. And you can do a lot more with, you know, uh, Middleton and in this situation back then Kobe uh, down the stretch. Definitely, definitely, I see your point. But I just want to say, like Shaq was a little bit more dominant though. Games weren't that games weren't that close though. I will say that the games really weren't that close, other than a couple, other than maybe a game or two. Just saying, as a, as a Lakers fan. Who, <laughs> who, who, who wins tonight and why? Will, you want to go first, man? I'll let Will like you. Want, let me, you want to give I, it to me? I'll go first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, man. I, I, I'll go first. I, I, listen, man, it, you know, uh, COVID, we're still doing this thing virtually, yeah. you know, without the use of cameras. Of so, course. You know, of course, sometimes bro. Sometimes there's some confusion. Um <laughs> I will go with, I think Chris Paul, um, I hope. Look, Chris Paul, I, I, I consider him one of the all time, one of the top five point guards in the, uh, history of, you know, the NBA. Mm-hmm. I think Chris Paul silences the critics and he gets Phoenix a game seven at home. 
So I'm going with Phoenix tonight. Oh, that scares me. Will T, that scares me. This reminds me when you pick the Clippers every year to win the championship, man. <laughs> and because, what? That is right. Like, I'm just saying, Will, they never won it um, with Chris Paul. But here's the thing. I'm getting that LeBron James game six Boston vibe for Chris Paul, too, bro. I'm with you. I feel like Chris Paul wills his team just like LeBron did against Boston at Eastern Conference Finals back in 2012. Yeah. I think there's a game seven in Phoenix. I mean, I, I said Phoenix in seven. I, I, I'm, I'm going to stick with it. But it scares uh, me, though, man. Throw that out there, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Rick Martell, arrogance. You know me. Rick Martell, arrogance. Spray me, cuz. You already know what time it is. Um, You know what? But it's, this game scares me, though, bro. It does scare me. I won't even play it off. It's just that I don't like how certain people aren't. Because I do. I believe in Chris Paul. I think Chris Paul's going to ball out I, I he he's he knows the importance i believe booker's gonna ball out i don't trust everybody i mean i think i, I think aiden depending on you know what if they want to feed him he should have a decent game i think he'll, i know he'll play with the energy um those role players man play they play different on the road man um role players play different um but the blessing is that when you have good guard play um that travels and that can be you can that can be any team you have two two of your best players are your point guards i mean it's your point guard and your two guard, um, it allows you to be in games and allows you to kind of set the tone. So I, I'm hoping that Chris Paul has that game one ish type of game or that game where he had against the um, the Clippers, where he closed them out. Well, this one, he's going to prolong the series. So I'm with I'm with you all, man. Um, it's like we got a sweep right here, man. We all going for Phoenix. But I'm biased, though. Like, right. I mean, I'm biased. I won't even lie. You know what I'm saying? I want mine to win. So it is. I'm not it biased. Is. I, You're I mean, not. I think Milwaukee's going to win it. Yeah, I, I think Milwaukee's going to win it all, but I okay. just don't think they win it all tonight. Got you, got you. Hey, I want to I read a, a Facebook comment uh, about the Wizards uh, coaching uh, in West Unsell Jr. On our, face, on our Facebook page, my, my man Cameron uh, posted about the, the hire. He says, I think, I think so because Wizards need discipline. We haven't had a disciplined coach since Randy Whitman, uh, my man uh, Solomon, Talking about this, but this is about if, if if he's a good mesh with excuse me Russell Westbrook and also Bradley Bill uh, Solomon uh, posted no but this is what the Wizards do um, my man you know my man Brandon Carey right you know you know who that is uh, Carey said did he get the job only because his dad passed away and a question that was a question yeah. did he um, so was it more no, of a man. look at the man's resume look at his track record man. i mean i get tired of i think it's a but it's a valid question though thing. it is a valid question though right la- but that's the lazy analysis <laughs> it is i say i agree bro i just said it's a valid question it's the easy thing to do oh west until was or arguably is the greatest player in the history of the bullets wizard mm-hmm. franchise yeah. his son coaches Oh, let's give his son the job. That's the that's the lazy analysis, man. Look into <laughs> West Unsell Jr.'s um, resume. Look at his career. Uh-huh. And you'll see that this guy is qualified, just is just as qualified as most coaches in the NBA. Hey, Will, man, you got it, man. You just take us to break, Will. Take us to break, man. You got it, man. You got the juice. <laughs> All right, man. Last segment of the evening. Should the Nets be sellers? We'll discuss after the break. It's the urban sports scene for ages. You dig? Deuces. <laughs> On Empire Radio. On EmpireMedia.com. <laughs> 
Listening to the urban sports scene with Will T, myself, Wole, and Ray Jeezy, parts of Ampire Media. All right, the Nets are 44 and 49, and they are six games out of first place in the NL East. Right now, they are down to the Florida Marlins, three to two in the top of the six. Should this team be buyers or sellers? I'm gonna start us off. Mm-hmm. Um, they're gonna be. They should be sellers. Mm. Um, I know that uh, last week, uh, George, yeah. a you know, uh, a listener of the show, mm-hmm. um, he you know added Wole for me. He and he had the question: um, Is you know he was listening to the show and, mm-hmm. and off of my comments last week? He said, um, "Give the Nets and would I give the Nets?" any time to cut the six-game deficit, which is what they had at the time. Yeah. Now that they've got um, they've got now, or would I uh, signal that I'm open for business? Um, six games is not an insurmountable uh, deficit yet, but historically it's pretty rare to make that up. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a couple of things um, that I've noticed, you know, after the All-Star break. Um, this team played against the San Diego Padres, right? Yeah. So I think there are a couple of things you have to take it to perspective, right? Mm-hmm. You have to take it to perspective, um, not just that we're six games behind the Met, but if you're going to be a buyer, then you have to conceivably believe that you can compete for the NL pennant. Yeah. And after that performance against that three-game series against the San Diego Padres, Padres were one of the better teams in baseball, one of the better teams in the NL, but a number third, but a third in the standings in the NL West. It's absolutely no. Mm. You can't compete with the with the big boys in in this um in the in the, in the National League. Um, so also you put on on top of that, um, I believe three or four days ago, um, Starlin Castro was placed on administrative leave yeah. under MLB's domestic violence policy. You take that into consideration, and then you have, to, and then you also look at this farm system, which is arguably one of the worst in the MLB. And you have some guys who could, you could potentially, who are, whose contracts expire at the end of this year, and you could potentially say, okay, we can't fully restock our farm system, but if you were to trade a Max Scherzer, right? If you were to trade a Cal Schwarber with the first half of the season he's had, mm-hmm. you put yourself in a better position in the long run to compete and be in back in that contention for a, um, for the, for the, um, excuse me, for the NL East in the next two to three years mm-hmm. with just two, those two guys and what they could potentially, you could potentially get in return for trading them. Mm-hmm. 
No, I mentioned you mentioned. I don't want to be redundant because you you mentioned what we met, we talked about what they can receive if they traded a Max Scherzer. So I'm not going to be redundant. Uh, six games in the NL East uh, with the Mets as the you know first place team. The Braves losing to Cunha. Uh, I think it's it's possible. I think you can definitely um, go for it, uh, especially if Strasburg comes back and looks like you know he will come back. Uh, Davey had some positive things to say about Strauss coming back. Uh, you know today. Um, so if you have an opportunity to have Strauss, you know, Strauss and Scherzer, um, Corbin's pitch a little bit better. Uh, you know, uh, Ross is, you know, Ross is, Ross is a little, a little banged up, but I think he should come back. Um, Fetty, Fetty has been, of late has been erratic a little bit, but still, that's a still, a, and you know, you still have Lester who had a good outing yesterday, I think it was yesterday, he pitched yesterday. Um, so they're, yeah. they're, you know, so within pitching, it's getting, they're getting better, they're getting, they're getting better, they're getting healthier. Uh, Juan Soto uh, said that the home run contest has helped them out. Uh, so he thinks, looks like he has his power stroke back. Um, so, I mean, there are some things that within this team um, that can allow them to make a run at the NL East. The NL East isn't, it won't be, it's not going to be tough if they play to their capabilities of, to climb back into the race. I think we all can agree to that. If they uh, play to their capabilities, they should be able with the talent they do have, and I do still think they're a talented ball club, they should be able to catch. They can catch the Mets. Um, but, again, that's, you know, the Mets have to play, you know, average or below average baseball, and the Nats have to play to their capability. Um, and, the, you know, and we're all assuming that Atlanta will kind of fall from the wayside because even Atlanta believes they still have a chance, and they just lost one of the best baseball players in the game. So if I'm the Nats, you know, this is very important. This portion right after the All-Star break is very important. Um, if, if, you know, if I'm a player and I really believe that, you know, we can do it, then everybody has to be all, all hands on deck and have to show management and they have to show Davey that they're really ready to make this run and they have to play at a high level. Because I'm with you, Will, T, to this point. You know, they were exposed when they played the Padres, right? Like, I agree. Like, the Padres, they gave it to them, you know, before the All-Star break and even after the All-Star break. Um, I, they won. I think, did they win the series? But they were games where it can go either way, and the, like the pitching was getting hit hard by the Padres, Padres offense. So you know you can tell like there's still a lot they need to work on. I mean the bullpen has to get healthier. Um, I think they're still missing arms out of the pen. Um, but you kind of want to see this team, uh, see see them play when they're healthy, all hands on deck. So or healthy enough, because you know at this point in time in a baseball season, you know teams aren't as healthy. But you want to see them healthy enough. And then we can really judge if this team should sail. But you, the time is ticking, though. It has to. It has to happen soon. Wow! As I okay. transition uh, from NBA to baseball, this is kind of cool. That's good, Will. My fault. No, I was going to say this. You had, you know, um, before the All Star break and right after the All Star yeah. break, the Padres, you had a thirteen right? game yeah. stretch where you where you played. Arguably three of the best teams in the NL. So true. That being the Dodgers, that being the Padres, and that being the San Francisco um, Giants. All in the West. This team played 13 games. They were 2 11 against the upper crust of the NL, right? Yeah. So I think you have to logically look at this and say, look, I know, you know, I'm a competitive guy, and I'm sure those guys probably are even more competitive to me. You know, whether they're, you know, within that organization, that's the front office, and that is in that clubhouse. You, but you have to be an adult and realistically look at things and say, look, we just got crushed. We won two games out of uh, 13 against the best in the NL. Mm-hmm. We can't compete for a pennant this year. Let's set ourselves up for long-term success as 
the Padres have done and as the Dodgers have done, and that is by us offloading some of these veterans who we potentially may not be able to sign going into free agency, and let's try to recoup and build up our farm system. That's all. Hey, Ray, you said you want to say something? You got the, the last word before we. You got the last word before we end the show. That's what I'm. That's why I'm saying it. I just want to say I'm glad I'm a, I'm a fan of the team that's on this side of 295. Oh, you dirty! So, oh, you dirty! Contention is awesome, but <laughs> you dirty! I've been, all, I've been consistent all year over the past, over the course of the past year in terms of just saying you always strive for the playoffs, whether you're the Washington football team, mm-hmm. Washington Wizards. Yeah, yeah. So far, those two worked out because you have nothing to lose now. Did they go far, either team? No, but you see Tyler, Taylor Heineke shine. You saw that the, <laughs> the Wiz, that, that run that they went on in the play-in, it, it, it created some type of a buzz. And yeah. it, it opened the discussion that if Scott Brooks should even stay, which is amazing. So I think you still <laughs> aim for the playoffs. And your best player, Juan Soto, right now, coming off the All-Star break, five home runs, 11 RBIs, 10 of 17, like, He's playing his best baseball, like Willie said, at an important time. And I think that's the guy that you need to rally behind. You go for the playoffs. and Anything can happen in the playoffs. But even if you get bounced, no big deal. You made it. You increased revenue for your franchise. Um, it's been a difficult year between COVID and you have a shooting at your stadium. Oh, I yes. think you have a lot to wow. overcome. Yeah. And I also don't think that Mike Rizzo will make the move that Will wants to see. That's not who Mike Rizzo is. Yeah. So you got to live with what we have. And you got to – you have to – try your best to finish in the in the best position possible. So I think they should need, they, they need to make a push. I'm buying. Yeah, there you go. And that's real talk. All right, man. Subscribe to our <laughs> podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Just search the Urban Sports Scene. Also, tweet us at Urban Sports Scene. Hit us up on our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page and check out the home of the Urban Sports Scene, which is Empire Media at Ampiremedia.com and this show ha- can be found on Podcast DC. Download the podcast the Podcast DC app to hear all the Empire Media shows as well as other great content. And again, uh RIP Biz Marquee. Well, you know, rest in heaven, man. Oh, you know what I'm saying? And rest peacefully, my man. Anything else anybody want to say? No, man. It was great having all three of us here, man. Um, really enjoyed the show today. Really appreciate you, brothers, man. You know it, bro. And, um, Same here, man. Can't wait to do it again next week. You know it, bro. Appreciate I have a quick question. Oh, go ahead, man. Uh, Will, Will, did you think Jamel Charlo lost on Saturday? Yeah, that dude lost. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he lost. I don't think he lost, but I think that that um, it was a draw. Seventeen, one eleven. You think? That judge should be suspended. Yeah, mm. that was that was disrespectful. Oh, I thought he lost. Um, be honest yeah, one seventeen. I thought he lost. Um, I didn't have a problem with the draw, and I wouldn't have had a problem if he lost. Yeah, I mean it was no big. I'm I not going to either way. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I mean I'm sure he's he's disappointed. Put it that way. I know he's disappointed in his performance. No, he, he's content because he thought he lost. You could tell. Yeah. He was but but he didn't get hit with a lot of big shots. So no, he get. Thing. Yeah, yeah. I know. Anyway. I agree. I agree with that too. What you say, anyway. Will? Well, you just want to say something, Will? He, he took. Yeah, he he took a lot of big shots, and also that um you. Ooh. Talking about boxing, that reminded me what could have been this weekend, and what could have been is oh, a uh, world championship Bruh. fight between Tyson Spur- Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, the third, uh, the third matchup okay. in their epic, uh, you know, trilogy. But Tyson Fury and his camp, you know, they had some COVID 
issues, but it just it, it just reinforces to me that this is a blown opportunity because when you think about the sports calendar, there's nothing this weekend. Yeah, I this, know. This fight would have been it. All eyes <laughs> in the sports in the sports world would have been on those two fighters, a heavyweight fight in Las Vegas. Bruh. All eyes would have been on them, but now it gets shifted to October 9th, and they have to compete against college football and the NFL, uh, all that, and bro. the NFL the next day. Yeah, so I'm with you. It's just another blown opportunity, man. Blown opportunity. I'm with you, man. And it was like part of the whole. I called it like the summer of boxing. It was, you know what I mean? Like it was part of that whole. We had a, you know, a nice little trend of great. Uh, fights in the summer and yeah, we, I mean, we I mean, lost it. If you think about it, yeah, yeah. If you think about it, we would have gotten this fight, and mm-hmm. then next month we would have gotten Manny Pacquiao, yeah. Errol Spence, yeah, and, man. And then in September we would have gotten um, Caleb Plant versus Canelo Alvarez. Yeah, man. So, oh, you know, you, you. I mean, I know we're like kind of going a little bit over, but you heard right about Bud, right? You heard what's what's about to happen. He he's about to leave yeah. Al. He's supposed to he's supposed to be leaving Al. Like I think and I, his deal is over. In October. I mean, I mean Bob. Sorry, Bob. My bad, bro. You Bob. Bob Arum. Sorry, mm-hmm. Bob. Thank you, Bob Arum. Uh, is supposed to. I think his deal is over. Over in the fall. So he's he's he, all reports are he's about to leave. Just just putting that well, out there. I'll folks. tell you this. <laughs> if he is, if allegedly, yeah, allegedly. he is going to walk away yeah. from the contract, um, he will definitely owe. Bob Arum something on the back end because mm-hmm. if Bob Arum didn't get a fight out of him this year yeah. um, to recoup some of that money, then I, I, I conceivably can see a situation where you know that next big purse that he gets will some of it have to go to Bob Arum. Facts. We not, you never know. You never know. You never know. Definitely facts. But anyway, I appreciate you all for listening again. R.I.P. Biz. Anyway, you've been listening to the urban sports scene. The ages. Yeah, dig. Deuces. Hey, Mega, lead us out, big homie.